Welcome back to Conversations for the Good. Good morning, Dr. Jane. Good morning, Anna. How are you? I'm doing good. It's great to see you and happy 2021. Thank you. Likewise. Yeah, we're finally here, right? We're going to make it a great year, Anna. I think so. Absolutely. And as we continue to find ways to cope, uh, learn, and grow in the, this pandemic, we're always on the outlook for ways to improve ourselves for the better. I keep hearing and reading about emotional intelligence and wanted to bring it into our conversation today. Well, Anna, it's a winner. It truly is. Daniel Goldman uh, published his book, Emotional Intelligence, back in 1995, and it was on the New York Times bestseller list for a year and a half. So people really were ready for it. Um, and since then, it has been really part of educational programs, everything from um, childhood character building educational programs to corporate leadership training programs. And the interesting thing is that there has always been and continues to be this body of research that follows it that really continues to um, show it in the light of being very, very central to successful living, both personally and professionally. Hmm. So how would you describe it? Well, the short version is it's the capacity to be aware of our emotions and express one's emotions in a way that we're able to handle our interpersonal relationships, all those connections we have with, with others, both judiciously and also empathically. So this is something that we've been covering in our conversations, Anna. And Dr. Goldman, uh, Goldman uh, really presented this in a specific, as a specific type of intelligence. And he really challenged us to think in terms of not only the intelligence IQ um, or quotient, which we call the IQ, but um, to actually think in terms of merging this emotional intelligence with intellectual intelligence. Because the intellectual intelligence is always measured by, oh, standardized tests. It relates to, you know, intellectual abilities, mental skills. It's really how we learn and understand and apply the data and information around us. And clearly, we're in an information age. But Goldman talked about really enhancing our reasoning by by using an emotional intelligence and in doing so facilitating kind of what what he kind of framed as a higher order of thinking so he challenged us to move beyond our kind of a worship of the iq or the intellect and really asserted that there was a way to actually be smarter by combining the two the iq and the emotional intelligence dr jane uh, what does this all involve well Goldman talked about five different components, and they all, even though we're going to talk about them as kind of discrete, they all kind of blend into each other. You know, it starts with uh, self-awareness. We've been talking about this, knowing our emotions, knowing our triggers, um, our reactions to situations and people, knowing our strengths and our weaknesses. And then he also talked about self-regulation. You know, we have the self-awareness. So it's about uh, using that as a way to manage our emotions and how we express our emotions. So rather than allowing our impulses and our moods to determine the expression, we're really filtering, you know, through this awareness and opting for another way to express. 
And you also talked about internal motivation. And this is really moving from kind of our, um, our perception of situations as being problems or roadblocks to really looking at situations and people as um, challenges in a really and in, in positive challenges. So we're actually looking through lenses of curiosity and optimism. We're accessing things that we've talked about, our willingness and our gratitude and courage to you know, make healthy choices for really the better good. He also talked about empathy. Again, we've talked about compassion. And empathy is, is that, that, that um, piece that empowers us to both identify the emotions of others, um, but also to do it without any kind of judgment or criticism. So we're really willing to understand their outlook. We're really willing to kind of step into their position or into their shoes. And then lastly, he talked about social skills. You know, and this is that present moment awareness that we operate out of when we're with someone, you know, to set aside our own thoughts and really focus on the interaction, really look at um, what they're about. It requires active listening. So we're recognizing a person's experience and we're able to communicate uh, in ways that, that we can resolve situations, particularly conflict, without any aggression or out any threat. But it all starts with the first component, and that is self-awareness, that acknowledgement of my own feelings, my triggers, my reactivity. Well, these sound all so familiar from our conversations. Absolutely. You know, we talked about managing our reactivity, thoughts, feelings, and impulses through present moment awareness, making conscious choices rather than allowing the autopilot thinking and our backstory to take control of our lives. Mm -hmm. So can we talk about what happens when emotional intelligence is absent, especially in the crisis like the pandemic? Well, these are going to be familiar, Anna, you know, because we've all had days where a bad mood, you know, disrupted uh, us getting our work done, being on top of our game. And sometimes in those situations, we might have communicated, you know, really with kind of a, a thoughtlessness or uh, really in an unkind manner. And, and it could have been the result of a situation like poor sleep, um, an upset stomach, um, you know, something, food, alcohol, could be anything. These tend to be situational. You know, and we've also experienced, you know, other people having a bad day and how that spills over and affects everyone they encounter. You know, sometimes it's about um, meanness or meltdowns or aggression, or sometimes they're just disengaged. And again, this can be situational. You know, they're going through a particularly tough time. Certainly in the crisis, this has presented lots of opportunities for us to not be at our best. Um, but the personal characteristics of a person who is lacking emotional IQ really involves things like um, not being able to take charge or make decisions, uh, not open to constructive feedback or constructive uh, criticism, um, an individual who holds judges or they're easily offended or chronically feel like they're being misunderstood. Uh, we've all experienced most of these, but for most of us, they're not a pervasive personality trait. Well, these are real roadblocks, which seem to be ever present in communicating and working as a team 
or in relationships? Well, they're tough areas, Anna. You know, and, and managing ourselves and staying emotionally connected can be challenging in, in the best of times. But managing in a crisis, you know, like the current pandemic, you know, can be extremely stressful. You know, and we've discussed these dynamics in previous conversations, you know, how this forced change in our lives, you know, um, working remotely, uh, sheltering, um, social distancing, the immense uncertainty, you know, they feel, it, it all feels very strange and feels very unnatural. And to add to the crisis, there, there have also been these cycles of, um, and they've really been very constant, of infection rates going up. Um, social discord, um, failing economy, you know, all of these play into that fear, which triggers the survival mechanism, you know, turns on all the fear networks, and reactivity is the result. So we're in high, um, intense emotional reactivity. Well, this becomes very predictable, you know, everything is seen through a negative lens, it seems like. Well, you're right. And negativity, um, and negative emotions tend to be contagious. You know, they're kind of like the virus. They flood us, they overwhelm us, um, and often they're supported by our beliefs and our fears and our, our backstory, you know, conditioning from years gone by. So we operate in this survival mode and we regress. We revert to very childish behavior sometimes. You know, there's a vulnerability about it. There is an impulsiveness about it. We tend to be more defensive, sometimes more aggressive. And certainly, you know, it leads to kind of this, this kind of general ineptness in being able to solve complex problems um, because we're seeing the world as being dangerous and we're in this fight, flight, freeze mode and the thinking brain is offline. So I, I think I get it now. I, the components of emotional intelligence can bring us back in alignment with all dimensions. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. You know, we all need to be um, seen and heard, uh, feel like we're being understood and valued. Uh, and emotional intelligence fosters this, even in situations where normal life has come to a screeching halt. If we can opt to the emotional intelligence, you know, to the awareness, to the, the self-regulation, the internal motivation, the empathy and the social skills, you know, um, there, there is this ability to be able to shift out of the imbalance that we find ourselves in. You know, and the real beauty is that emotional intelligence can be learned. You know, we, we can learn how to do it. Even if we already do it somewhat or do it well, we can always improve. And it works with the neural, uh, neuroplasticity of the brain, you know, that ability of the brain to make changes over time. So each time we discover our emotional intelligence and practice emotional intelligence skills, we really are establishing new neural connections. And, and we're linking that emotional brain, that limbic system, the more primitive part of the brain, um, to the thinking brain, the cerebral cortex. So this growth and these new connections ensure more uh, uh, of an ability to, to access this new behavior. And the more we practice, the more quickly it kicks into action when we need it. And eventually these new habits, you know, they, they uh, create new circuitry and become kind of the default response. It's kind of like, that's what comes up in a difficult situation. 
just takes regular practice. Dr. Jane, can we take a look more closely at the five components you mentioned? Absolutely, Anna. You know, in in emotional intelligence, the self-awareness is first, and this is really the foundation. So it's asking ourselves questions like, um, who am I? You know, what do I stand for? And to some extent, we want to not only bring in our beliefs, you know, and understand our backstory, but also kind of see the transparency that there are other options other than those conditioned responses. You know, it's also, what am I consuming as far as media, news, internet, um, uh, contact that we have um, with, with anyone or anything that tends to feed my positionality? You know, sometimes we kind of get anchored in this needing to be right or thinking that we're right. You know, it's also about who am I listening to and, and how do I listen? Um, how do I support others? You know, what if, they're, what, what, what if they have differing opinions? This is where it starts to get a little dicey, yeah. you know? And, and which part of me is in charge? Is it that little self that always wants to get up there and have my way? You know, or is it a, a better, higher part of myself? You know, what really matters to me? This is all part of that self-awareness. Also to look at how is the uncertainty of the crisis that we're in currently, how is it dis- uh, kind of derailing me? Or am I able to take it in and use it for my growth? Okay. So this kind of leads us to knowing what our opinions are and what really matters most. So this lays the groundwork for the remaining components. It's that self-awareness that's so incredibly important. And then moving to self-regulation. Because, you know, as we mentioned in many of our conversations, you know, turning toward our reactivity is what allows us to um, see what's really going on, you know, to take into consideration through that observer self, you know, what's happening and using my breath and the sensing of my body to become aware of the thoughts and the feelings as they're arising and to really begin to understand through the vessel of awareness, which is the body, you know, what's fueling the drama? And by taking the observer self positioning, I'm actively not fueling the drama, but I can see where the drama is and I can also see where it could go. Well, these are such important components that can slow the reactivity way down. Mm. Absolutely. You know, we come to know our triggers And we can then own our reactivity and create ways to allow ourselves to know the truth, what's happening within us, yet respond rather than react. It's a huge difference. You know, and and one technique is, is naming the emotion as it arises. And so often when we do this, it loses its intensity. It's called name to tame. And this creates control of the emotional impulses. And we're better able to avoid those kind of impulsive, aggressive behaviors, you know, that can easily be expressed in our beha- in our actual uh, behavior. So it allows us space to think before we act. We're giving ourselves that space so that we can choose to act from our heart rather than from our fear, rather than from our anger. So heightened emotions don't get in the way of big decisions. Those, those important pieces that maybe allow me to stay engaged, whether it's with people I love or people I work with, 
So it all starts with, you know, really being able to be in what is happening without fueling any kind of drama. Well, I personally love being around these type of people, you know, because they have no hidden agenda. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And then we also have the internal motivation. And the internal motivation is when we're no longer solely interested, only interested in external rewards like money or recognition. This is where we're moving to being motivated by kind of an internal call to do the next right thing. And so the challenges that we are um, up against are perceived as being positive. We perceive them as, as tasks to be accomplished and, and we accomplish them. And the other piece that happens in this internal motivation is a sincere um, interest in the well-being of others. And that becomes kind of a centerpiece and then there's empathy. And don't we love empathy and doesn't that make us feel good? You know, because it adds to that open accepting environment, that feeling of safety that we all long for and true consideration of another's welfare. So it's, it's where in, in empathy, the giving and receiving really start to blend. And there's also with empathy, a, a real curiosity about others' perspectives of others' beliefs. And, and with empathy, we're working hard to understand what's behind others' actions. So we're really looking to position ourselves outside of any criticism, outside of any judgment. And compassion plays in because we're feeling with the other, really allowing ourselves to be fully with them. And then lastly, the social awareness, which is kind of holding this unique and genuine caring and respect for others. Which also, I mean, that it, it just it adds to just a lovely environment, whether it's at home or in friendships or, or at work. And it's a commitment to healthy communication and acknowledging that others hold different perspectives. So it's really seeking to understand the differences, you know, without any judgment or criticism. So we're never assuming that we know someone or what someone is about without taking the time and the interest to find out firsthand to engage with them. We never rely on stereotypes. What an amazing combination of qualities. Isn't it? Isn't it? And some people are just kind of naturals at emotional intelligence. You know, it's, it comes from their, their early environment. Sometimes it's just kind of how they're wired, you know, and some of us have to work at it. And it doesn't make one better than the other. You know, anyone can become pr proficient in emotional intelligence. The key is that you have to intentionally seek the skills, seek to improve the skills, you know, practice the skills. You know, the payoffs are profound, you know, because it impacts every dimension of our lives. You know, we're better able to regulate our stress and our reactivity. We boost our confidence and our communication skills. It also improves relationships, both personally and professionally. We're really, really encouraging collaborative efforts, teamwork, which very often increases job satisfaction. So the other thing is it's, it's been found to be one of the most um, important predictors of career success, more so than intellectual intelligence, more so than the IQ. And um, human resource 
people and um, hiring managers very often use emotional intelligence um, assessments in their um, interviewing process. So it's become more and more part of how people are assessed and uh, chosen for different occupations. Yeah, and it all starts with self-awareness, which we've been talking about in our conversations and the present moment awareness, the sensing, recognizing the ABCs of thinking and the backstory. That's exactly right. So my own awareness opens the door to a new relationship, starting with myself, with others, with the world. You know, I'm able to release negativity. I can dissipate reactivity. I can allow the best and highest part of myself to drive the bus of life. And everyone I meet stands to benefit. So, you know, the the bottom line on it is this becomes a, a gift. The emotional intelligence becomes a gift to myself and of myself that I give the world. Well, Dr. Jane, I can't think of a better gift to share as we start off the new year. This is such important, life-changing information. Thank you. Thank you, Anna. Until our next conversation.